Come, Grogu. If you wish to become a Mandalorian, there is much work to attend to. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Talking Smack, or as Alex and Matt like to call it. Hey, everybody, an old man's talking. Uh, I am the proverbial old man, and we are here to talk superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. I am the host, Josh Scar, and joining me this week is Matt. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing all right. My bones are a little achy, but I'm, I'm making it work. We also have Alex joining us this week. Alex, how are you doing? You're still on mute. <laughs> I am. I was unmuting myself, <laughs> sir. How dare you? How dare there you was barely a pause. Guys, this is extremely unprofessional. We have a guest. Oh, sorry. My apologies. Edit all this I'm out. I'm doing Edit quite well. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing quite well. I'm enjoying the fact that it is snowing currently. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, nice. I, I blame you for this weather we have, Alex, because last week you were bragging about how we had 80 degree weather and now it's snowing. Exactly. I'm getting my house painted and it's freezing. So that's wonderful. Yep. We went to the zoo today and we were literally out there and was like, oh, now it's snowing and we're at the zoo. This is at the end of April. It's like the complete opposite of what's going on over here. It's been nice and cold. And now all of a sudden it's like 86 outside. Great. And I'm, I feel personally offended by yeah. it. I was just out on the West Coast like two weeks ago, and it was a really, really nice like 60s mm-hmm. and 70s for most of the time. And uh, yeah, just beautiful. But as it, you Josh, have heard, elite. we get it. <laughs> <laughs> as you have heard, we have a very special fourth joining us this week. This week, we are joined by Katrina Dennis, who is a writer, performer, producer, and she's also the co-host of the Padro Pascal podcast and What's Glup. And uh, Katrina, <laughs> please say hello and let everyone know a little bit more about yourself. Hi, yeah. Uh, so I host a bunch of cool podcasts with my friends. Um, I have been a journalist in the entertainment space. I'm a streamer, a, 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 an actor. That's right. I do that too. And I just really like nerdy stuff. And I was grown up or I was brought up in the nerdy space. And so it's kind of what I use to define my career. Multi-hyphenate nerd. Yes. Perfect. So I feel like this is the right podcast <laughs> to be on. Oh yeah, I've I've been waiting to find uh, an excuse to have you on. I've been listening to your podcasts ever since uh, Hanging with Team Kanan. <laughs> so uh, say, say hi to Jonah and Jeremy for me if you're still in contact with them or if they're actually yeah. listening. Hi Jonah and Jeremy. <laughs> My faves. I miss I miss that show a lot. It was just like so good and. I uh, I still kind of reference back sometimes when I have like new friends that get into Rebels and I'm like, oh, well, mm. we have like an episode by episode podcast <laughs> about Rebels that I did like almost like five years ago. But, you know, <laughs> Josh was mad at me on your behalf when he found out <laughs> I hadn't watched Rebels. Oh, my gosh. Um, I've been sorry. plugging you, hanging you... with Team Kanan <laughs> on our discord. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I have been watching. Oh. Um, alongside the podcast, more civilized age, nice, and they're about to start rebels. So I'm like, man, hold on, I'm gonna watch it, and maybe at that point I will jump into that that as well. Maybe I'll double dip. But he, <laughs> yeah, has not let me live it down. So 
Sorry. Well, I mean, you should have been watching Rebels from the beginning anyway. Well, Josh, I had things to do like, um, you know, go on dates, um, <laughs> go to parties, <laughs> drink beer. You're you're cooler and younger <laughs> than I am. I get it. Hey, there's only so much time in the day that Josh assigns himself to yelling at clouds. Then he watches Rebels. <laughs> Some days you're the cloud. <laughs> <laughs> We have Katrina here this week to talk about Mandalorian season three, and uh, we are going to do that as soon as we hear from Dan over at Casting Views. We'll be right back. Fancy taking a humorous trip down a random topic each week? You do? Well, you're in luck. Casting Views, presented by me, Dan, and a host of guests, bring you just that. With topics from the world of entertainment, science, sport, and everyday life, there's bound to be a topic that's going to inform and amuse. Catch Casting Views every Sunday on all listening platforms now. And we are back. We are here to talk about The Mandalorian Season 3, which just wrapped up on Wednesday. Uh, was that April 19th? Not that it's really important. April 18th? Uh, the It was the 19th. 19th. Okay. Well, I can't remember which day 420 was, which I, I don't think that's a good thing for listeners for me to say <laughs> because they might think things... Um, no, my the the week started with my anniversary, which is the seventeenth of April, and that was Monday, and so that's how I counted my days out. And, I should have uh, just thought I of that. Should have just thought of Katrina's anniversary to remind myself of what the dates were. <laughs> a big week for you, anniversary, Mandalorian. If you if you're into it, Picard, the, the funny yeah, Picard. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Let's talk about that. <laughs> You you and Leo have that coming up. I promise you guys will have that episode yeah. happen. I, I will find a way to make it happen. Okay. All right. I already said I would host it. <laughs> Don't sound like that. It was okay. Anyway, that's a different. He's, no, he's, no, no, pulling, no, no. he's pulling an Eeyore with that one. He's no, I'll host I, I'm just it. Letting, I, I am all too happy to talk about a team. The Mandalorian. Let's do DS9. it. What's the Mandalorian? <laughs> You're not following the way, Alex. You have strained from the way. Our new friend, our guest is like, I cannot believe <laughs> I'm on this show. We are six minutes in and we're still just bullshitting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let, let's not waste any more of her time. Let's dive into this. Um, the Mandalorian season three. Let's let's just dive right into initial thoughts. Um, Katrina, <laughs> as the guest, we'll let you start. Um, how did you feel about season three of The Mandalorian as a whole? Uh, you know, after the beautifully heavy emotions of Andor and uh, the amount of crying I did during Obi-Wan, I kind of liked there being a more uh, lighthearted and action-packed season. Like, I I have my criticisms of it, but, like, it was kind of like a breath, breath of fresh air um, because I've been having too many feelings uh, that, that are, like, sad while watching Star Wars uh. and... <laughs> Like my heart didn't get broken too hard this season, so I I enjoyed it. Like it was just fun to see like the toys go back in the toy box and and uh, and what came of that. And you know, Grogu is always uh, MVP of the season, and um and I'm sure we're gonna get into it. But I was really I know a lot of people, not a lot, but some people have opinions where it's like I want the Mandalorian to be about the Mandalorian. Um, and, uh, and I was really pleased with the amount of Bo-Katan in this season and how important her presence was to her story rather than like 
you know, serving Din's story. Yeah, I think that's a, a good way to, you know, it doesn't totally sum up my, my feelings about it, but I think you mentioned, you mentioned Andor, which I think is a really good touch point where, like, you know, I've had my, my, generally I've liked all the things that Star Wars has done in the last few years with probably like one extremely notable exception. <laughs> um, but, you know, watching, I have my criticisms of it, but I'm watching Andor and I'm like, this is like what I want out of Star Wars. And, yeah, you know, with Mandalorian, it, I think it would be easy to come back and be like, oh, but it's not Andor, but also that's okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, it never was. Yeah. It was always a, a different show than Andor. And I think, I don't know, I feel like Star Wars fans, like something is in our DNA and it makes us prepare for the worst and most hurtful outcomes ever. And, uh, and I just like, I, I enjoyed not feeling so much fear, uh, for certain characters mortality, uh, this season. Yeah. Like it was, just, it was satisfying. It's... And uh, now I'm horrified because what season, what if season four hurts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like in general, I've always seen the Mandalorian as like, a, just, it's just a fun, solid adventure show. Right. Mm-hmm. And this, again, it's not without, it's not without flaws, but this is more of that, which is, you know, cool. Yeah, it's a different show. You know, you when you, uh, okay, hold on, let me frame it into like guy speak. <laughs> when you drive a Miata, it's very different from driving a Nissan pickup truck. Um, and in in this hypothet- hypothetical situation, you like both of those things. Um, but, you know, you, you don't look to, you, when you're looking to drive a pickup truck, you don't go try and drive, uh, expect the experience of driving a Miata. There you go. Sure. Boom. Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. And I, I saw what you guys are talking about here between like coming in from uh, having Andor late last year into this. Um, I saw a really great tweet, which maybe Katrina, it might've even been you where it had a picture of Andor, and then it had a picture of the the Swamp Thing pirate, and it the tweet just said Star Wars can be both and should be both, and uh, like perfect. 100%. I don't think that was me, but that's fantastic, and I completely agree. I I love that this series, this like this wonderful saga, is uh something that could break my heart over like you know uh generational trauma and like the rise of fascism and <laughs> all of these like themes that reflect my feelings as an adult. But then also there could be like murder teddy bears in it. And <laughs> there's there's a little green dude just yep. like getting thrown around set. And it's like totally normal. There's a degree to which Star Wars is fundamentally about weirdos and freaks mm-hmm. having adventures. And that that's what the Mandalorian is. It's a bunch of weirdos and freaks. And I mean those <laughs> I mean I use those terms in the most loving way. Like Grogu. <laughs> Swamp Thing You called my guy Zeb. You called my guy Zeb a freak, and I, I took offense to that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm watching I'm watching an episode of Mandalorian, and then a couple weeks, like a few hours later, I see everyone on the internet like, oh my gl- oh oh my god, Glup Shido. and I'm like, <laughs> oh, I guess I guess some guy showed up, some beautiful freak. Don't you disrespect Garazeb Aurelius <laughs> like that, it's Captain Garazeb Aurelius? It's not, it's it's not a disrespect. I mean it in the most loving way. You know, like Yoda, or as I've come to know him, old Grogu, you know, he's a, he's a little freak and I love him. And that's what Star Wars is about. And, you know, 
Mandalorian this season is full of little freaks that I love. I I really now I'm really excited for you to start watching Rebels because like man, there are a lot of little <laughs> freaks in that show. That's, that that to <laughs> me is Star really Wars. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and there's there's some good Clone Wars stuff in there, but um, yeah, the, yeah, it, and just uh, uh, I want to start talking Rebels now. <laughs> we got to stay on point. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. So anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm Picard, on... season three. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, we I don't, did we hear from Alex? Alex, I don't, give us I don't your... think Alex. Let's you're still it. on mute. What are some of your highs for Mandalorian season three, Alex? I'm confused. Of, um, I really liked how focused it was on Boba Fett <laughs> and the Back to Tank. That was really good. Um, but I don't know why we're doing a recap of a show that happened over a year ago. <laughs> I'm ready to talk about Mando season four. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I see what you did there. I wish Josh. I had the drum, the rim shot sound effect in the, the, the soundboard. <laughs> But wouldn't it be great if The Mandalorian was five seasons long? Wouldn't I would just be lovely. I, I like the number five. Yeah. So it's good. Just give me five seasons. I won't ask for more. <laughs> or if Dave Filoni has his way, maybe six seasons in a movie. <laughs> wait, wait, ha- wait, hold on. Now I'm going to look up how many re- seasons there were of Rebels. Because that might be exactly what's happening. Um uh, well, oh, there are four. four. Yeah, so it's just four seasons and a movie. Four plus what seems like a live action, basically Rebels follow up. Four, four point <laughs> five seasons and a movie about the New Republic that they will probably be in. <laughs> yeah, Ahsoka is another one that I'm I'm very excited for. But Alex, please well, continue um, talking about uh, this most recent season of The Mandalorian. Oh, okay. Uh, well, they are doing a Mando movie. We already got that announced like a week or so ago at the Star Wars. Yeah, that was one thing I wanted to bring up towards the end of the the episode is talking about like how we feel about this building up towards a, a quote unquote Mando verse uh, movie event, which we kind of talked about last week. But I would love to get Katrina's take on that too once we get to that point. Well, I brought it up, so <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it was a weaker season, but there was some fun stuff in it that I particularly enjoyed. Mostly, I am happy, and Josh, you know why I'm happy. I am happy because... Because the armor did not take off her helmet yet. <sighs> I love the armor. She makes me happy. <laughs> Who doesn't? I, I, I have a crush on her. I, I was dreading for about a week, because um, with the group I watched with, there was the week between the spies and the end, the return, where the internet was convinced that the armor was a spy, she was a traitor, she was working with Moff Gideon, she had betrayed them all, she was making all the Stormtrooper Beskar armor, and she was leading an assault on the capital ship. And I'm like, not my girl. No. <laughs> and then every, all the Mandalorians are flying in with jetpacks, shooting shit, and she just swings up and just like, I'm just going to use my hammer and pliers and beat the shit out of anything in my way. <laughs> I love her. Uh, she is that, the, the armor. Just bar none. She's speaking a certified of... Star Wars weirdo, and we love her for it. <laughs> weirdo. Um, speaking of the, the armor, um, in the ret- I believe it's in the return. Yeah, because we get the big uh, the big fight scene 
Um, did anyone else notice in the concept art that they put in the credits that the yep. armor has um, Paz Vizsla's big minigun yep. instead of her <laughs> her forging tools? Yeah, I noticed that. I'm like, someone in the concept department doesn't understand the basic character arc. <laughs> 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 no, seriously, I yeah. What I got out of the season, what I have loved the armor just because she doesn't have a weapon other than her forging tools. She's an imposing figure that the Mandalorians respect. She commands respect from anyone she comes in interaction with. And she is mission-driven. Her mission is, I'm going to make armor and build my co my covert. What The end of season one, she loses it all. She kills some stormtroopers by smashing their face masks in one of the most brutal, awesome scenes I've ever seen. She disappears for a season, comes back in season three, where she apparently has set up shop underneath some space station still doing her thing teaching uh the mandalorian about how to use a dark saber and why he's a why he's terrible at it beginning of season three she's rebuilt things she's still building stuff and at the end of it she has what she wanted i'm back at, i'm at the great forge i don't give a shit who's running mandalore <laughs> i'm leading <laughs> ceremonies there is a pool of water i've smashed a bunch of stuff in the face my life is great and i love it for her for it good for her good for her it's honestly like those are goals yeah. yeah it's nice to see some happy endings i just you know a rip paths and stuff but like that was just one we just lost like one this season yeah but we gained back ig11 too so we did yeah and ig12 oh, i should i should make a sound <laughs> <laughs> ig12 is probably one of matt's favorite things from this season <laughs> nice. well yeah i mean grogo gets a mech he gets a Gundam, and that rules. <laughs> I thought that too. I was like, oh my god, it's like he has his own little giant mech. Yeah, it's like, honestly, I mean, they almost lost me for the entire season by getting rid of it at the end, you know? I don't need <laughs> that droid around. I need him to be hollowed out with a little seat in the middle, <laughs> you know? I mean, other than, other than the fact that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have a lawsuit prepared against that thing... <laughs> You completely ripped off Crane. I don't think Dis I don't think Disney's sweating that though. I don't think I don't think Disney's sweating that. You don't think that? I think Bob's gonna be just fine. <laughs> oh man! Uh, and speaking of little freaks, going back to Matt's point, uh, we got the return of Babu Frick, or the uh, I guess what would technically be his introduction in a in a certain point of view. Is one of them actually Babu Frick, or are they just like a bunch of little Babu Fricks? Like the way Grogu is a baby Yoda. I'm pretty sure it is Babu Frick, as the same as R5D4 is the same droid from the start of A New Hope. Don't even get me fucking started on that. <laughs> you want to talk about low points of the season? Don't even get me started. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was new information for Matt. I think R5 showed up in season two or maybe in the the Mandalorian episodes of book of Boba Fett. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure they confirmed that it was R five D four way back when I, I had to break the news to Matt. I've only found the R five thing, but I haven't heard the, the Babu thing before. I thought that they were just like Anzellan guys. Uh, it could be, uh, maybe I'm absolutely yeah. wrong, but I, I would, I wouldn't be shocked if it was Babu Frick just cause that's one of the few things that I know most everyone enjoyed from rise of Skywalker. Oh, the yeah. best thing from the I, worst movie. The the one upgrade I would now make to Galaxy's Edge is to add little pockets. I think I've said this elsewhere, 
but like add little pockets like there are on Navarro and just like have some Babu Frick puppets like working in there. That would be amazing. I would love that. And then have a uh, grief cargas or guys who would be similar to grief cargo that speak and Zelen and uh, just translate for you. Yep, exactly. Please add it to galaxy's edge. Thanks very much. So here's a, here's a merchandising question for you. We know Grogu is a merchandising bonanza. Would Babu Frick in his shirtless mechanic glory be as big of a seller, if not more so than like, let's say a Porg? Only if you, if you can squeeze it and it says bad baby, no squeezy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're, okay. So they do have them in galaxy's edge. You can they buy do. a little like animatronic Babu Frick and it's like the exact size and everything, but I think it's just Babu Frick. So he only has his um, like rise of Skywalker ish uh, phrases, but, it, but there is one, you can definitely buy one. Okay. I must've I, missed that. I, I went early last year and I did not see it. Yeah. I only saw this one really recently cause I went to the Orlando park um, and I hadn't been back to Disneyland in like, I don't know, three months. Um, so I just saw that in, <laughs> in the droid repair shop. Uh, they've got them. I do think that in terms of a bonanza, if the billion dollar movie didn't do it, the TV show probably won't, but it should like I should, you know, speak it. You know, I was I went to the zoo today. My three month old daughter wore a little baby Yoda sweater. I should be able to get one with a little Babu Frick on it. Okay, you, I, if there I was justice in the, like if that. there was yeah, justice in the I world, yeah. Okay, Matt, you've mentioned going to the zoo right. three More times. Name three things you've seen at the zoo because okay. now I don't believe you went anywhere. <laughs> it's just a little too like I'm uh, giving my um. We don't have time for this. Katrina's um, got places to be, and we've got like 30 minutes of oh, recording still thank, to go. Thank God. Thank Christ. <laughs> you could have just said sloth, giraffe, and an elephant, Matt. Like, it's not that hard. We know Madison hasn't had giraffes since, you know, 20 BC. <laughs> when they died out. Don't dox me, dude. <laughs> So um, I, I do want to, Katrina, I'll, I'll start with you. The uh, the Convert episode, that one was probably the most polarizing episode and maybe the one that made a lot of people check out this season uh, where we, I believe it's the Convert episode. Um, let me just, yeah. Uh, the Dr. Pershing episode um, where it's kind of sandwiched between um, a shorter Bo-Katan and Din, story, uh, Din Djarin storyline. Um, where we focus primarily on Coruscant with Dr. Pershing and his reintegration into the New Republic as a, a working member of society. Um, Katrina, can you uh, share some thoughts that you had about that episode? So I think that episode, I didn't have final thoughts on it until this season finale because it tied together um, a plot that has been introduced from episode one. Like, why did... Moff Gideon, why did the Empire want that baby? And it was to extract stuff from him to get uh to be able to produce clones. And Moff Gideon was doing it himself. And that's why Pershing was such a big deal. So um so I I mean like I I approach this like a lot like I guess from the beginning, uh I've been watching The Mandalorian from the same perspective that I read Del Rey Star Wars books on. 
um, where, you know, usually you have like an overarching plot, but every once in a while, like somebody's going to show up in a cameo and have a funky little chapter here that ties into a book that's coming out in five years. And, uh, and that happened a lot in like aftermath that happened a lot in like the, especially the TFA phase of, um, of Del Rey books. And so like, to me, like my perspective is like, I'm reading this all like a book and it's mainly about the Mandalorian and the Mandalorians. Uh, and every once in a while, someone funky shows up (laughs) and they have like a 10 page chapter and like, you know, or we just like, uh, tie into another perspective of a story that we just need at that moment. So that's why I wasn't really disturbed at the end by the like Pershing like change of pace. And like, it was nice to see Katie O'Brien back because she was such a fan favorite. And that I like that they gave her character something important to do that wasn't just like lackey work. Um, uh, and yeah, so tying it all back to that, to me, it just kind of like feels like reading a Star Wars novel, um, like where every couple chapters, like we spend a little time with this character who's going to be important at the end of the book for some reason, but we don't know yet. I think a lot of people kind of view this stuff and, you know, no shade if that applies to anyone here on this call or just anyone listening. If this is how you watch TV, that's fine. But I think people like kind of see these shows as like every episode is, is telling a story of a season, you know, and anything that is not doing that is kind of wasted time. And, you know, like, like you said, Katrina, like this does end up leading to something with that main story. But one of the cool things you can do on TV is just once in a while you do an episode that let's shift our focus. And like, we're going to do a one-off about some other characters who they're not totally new people. Like we've seen them before. You know, it's one of those things that I appreciate about that's a thing TV can do. Like once in a while, we're just going to try something different. The only, my biggest criticism of that episode is I wish they had just done it because I think having it bookended by like stuff that we are actually following, like the Mando stuff and the Bo-Katan stuff at the beginning and end, I think makes, can make, made some people feel like, what did I just watch 20 minutes of or 30 minutes of or however long that bit was? Why didn't, why wasn't the whole episode the stuff about the castle, right? So I, I sort of wish that they had just like gone for it where like beginning to end, we're just going to do a one-off episode and then it is what it is, you know? And then eventually it does, we, you you kind of see one of the reasons we did that later on in the season, but for now it's just, we're going to check in on this little slice of life and like what's going on in the galaxy. Um, yeah. I think maybe it wouldn't have been so jarring if like, like you said, the they finished an arc and then like, that could be the pause between the yeah. arcs, but uh, but yeah, I, I totally get that perspective. But I love the episode. I'm as ex- I was excited to see Pershing back. Like we we met uh, Omid at Celebration in Anaheim, and so um, it was really exciting to see that he got to come back and give that character a little more depth. And um, yeah, and I like the way it tied into Gideon's storyline of like you know Katie O'Brien's character is is uh, trying to help him with his like ultimate cloning plan. Yeah. It is pretty weird that like the new Republic doesn't let these people have names. Yeah. But um, you know, that's <laughs> probably nothing to yeah. worry about there. So I do have, a, I do have a question for both of you since, since you both rather like the episode and say it ties in, how does it tie into the last episode? Because the episode is about her 
manipulating him, trying to get him to restart his cloning stuff. Then immediately when he's like, okay, I'll do it, betrays him, brain fries him. But it turns out that Gideon is making clones, does need that tech. So how does that help? See, I took that as, um, not that you weren't, you weren't asking me, mm -hmm. but, um, I took that as Gideon got what he wanted out of Pershing and he wanted to make sure no one else could. But then why the long manipulation if he's not being assigned to look at it and all that stuff? Like they purposely have this convoluted plan to get him to lead him. Why didn't she just like toss him off the side of the cliff or something like that? Like he just disappears down a tunnel. Why does she need to him to go get a piece of equipment that is ultimately confiscated that has nothing on it that then because it takes blame it took takes suspicion away from her but if he was just tossed off the side of a cliff and she's breaking out all the time she's not being looked at but she might be <laughs> it's an easier way for her to not be suspected mm. yeah I, mean, I, I don't i don't uh, buy that. especially with like <laughs> i i would say that like the watch on them is also tight enough that if she pulled anything as blatant um she might have not gotten away with but it. But the watch isn't tied on them. She's They've also said that repeatedly, no. like, I leave all the time. Mm -hmm. I, and I will say for me, you know, like, <laughs> the thing that I like about that episode is not that they tie it in later. Like, it's it's cool that they find a way to do that. Um, however successful they are is, I guess, as we've seen up for debate. But, um, you know, for me, it's not a successful episode because it later factors into the overall plot. You know what I mean? I think it's just like an interesting diversion, um, which, you know, works for you or, or it doesn't. And, you know, I will say it's on a perfect episode. Like it does, there, there is a degree that it feels like, you know, you're watching all these scenes and it, there's a degree where you're like, Oh, Dave Filoni watched the man, the watch Andor. He watched he watched Andor and now he's trying to do an Andor to a certain degree. Um but you know, it's just it got a lot of hate and vitriol that I don't think was fully deserved. And I'm not saying that's what you're saying here, Alex. Um so I guess, you know, to to answer your question is I don't have a good answer to your question, but also I I don't I care about your question, but I don't that's not the thing I care about in the episode, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm I'm in the the side that I, I was not a big fan of the episode. I found it really slow. It it actually took me like two and a half days to get through it. I just watched it in little pieces because I it was very transparent that Katie O'Brien's character was uh gonna betray Pershing and um I just I, I didn't see how it tied in, especially with as you mentioned, Matt, where it's bookended with the Mando stuff that I am invested in. And so this story in between really just felt like a non sequitur and like, okay, it's clearly building towards something, but you got to give me a reason to care right now. And right now I don't. Sure. And I, you know, I, I can totally see why it's not someone's, especially if, if the thing you are into is I want to see how every episode furthers the Mandalorian story. I can see how it would be an upsetting, not upsetting or disappointing episode. Maybe is a better thing. It just, you know, I'm not saying I thought it was the best episode of the season. I just, I thought it was fine. I thought it was good. You know? See, for me, if, if you remove that entire sequence from that story and just have Katie O'Brien's appearance in the pirate where Carson Teva goes and she's in, and they, they basically re-explain, oh yeah, she's in the Imperial, uh, she's in the Imperial uh, Reformation program. Her name is this. 
and how much influence she has over the leader of them that she's able to convince him not to have Carson Teva get those people and the assistance on uh, Navarro. And then later on, last episode, she's, you know, or episode seven, she's telling Gideon this, that does the entire arc in the backfall of where, where she is, what she's doing without that entire middle section that doesn't, the uh, convert that doesn't do anything that's what, i mean i enjoyed I, watching it but ultimately i feel like in the end of the season none of that was needed because there was no story to me it didn't tell me anything further about gideon didn't tell me anything further about her other than she's evil well anytime you have a bureaucrat show up and deny help to people they're evil <laughs> sure we want we, i do think people need help i think no. that i think I think that's the main point of the episode, though, is it's laying the groundwork for maybe whatever happens in season four or beyond with Ahsoka, uh, where we see that the New Republic is so laden with red tape and bureaucracy mm-hmm. that they they can't really be effective because they they have to set up the sequels eventually. Yeah, and th- this is probably where I think that's trying to lay that groundwork. Yeah, I think it's useful from a world building perspective, which is kind of what you were just saying, Josh. Um, but you know, I I don't I don't think it's necessarily like useless, which is you didn't use the word useless, Alex. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, um, but I don't think it's useless to like just see. You know, we've spent several seasons in this sort of post original trilogy world, and we only got we've only gotten glimpses of what that really looks like. So I think seeing a a, a beefier piece of here's what here's how the New Republic operates for better or worse is useful um whether or not one thinks it's good is again up for debate um but you know it's something that you know dave filoni cut his teeth on clone wars right and one of the things that people love about that show is how he recontextualizes and uh, you know kind of shades in the prequel the prequel era a little bit better he seems very they very clearly seem to be interested in doing that for the sequels now or at least kind of putting some of that stuff in the background. So like, I don't know. I think it's useful in that sense, even if maybe to some people, the, the way it adds up in terms of like the characters is not all there. Sometimes, you know, start, we're just dealing with star Wars as a, a place, you know, where maybe this isn't the show for it. Maybe it is, but I appreciate it in that sense, if nothing else. So the the one episode that I really remember people going nuts over is the episode Guns for Hire, which is the one that has Lizzo and Jack Black. But it's also uh, the Bryce Dallas Howard directed episode, which she usually does really great work. And it's also a really interesting like here's a Star Wars procedural. And I I really enjoyed that one a lot uh, for for the most part. I thought the visual effects budget kind of took a hit in that episode like uh to nitpick seriously like this is just like a a nitpick where at the very end of the episode when Bo-Katan lights up the dark saber uh it that that effect I don't know if it's ever looked worse in this show or in Star Wars in general um that one really took me out of the the like moment of it I'm like ooh, that that doesn't look the best but I, I really enjoyed uh Lizzo and Grogu's little arc where she's just immediately enthralled with him and uh she's just like i'm your new mama (laughs) (laughs) yeah like i was like you know i was joked i was been joking a little bit but like lizzo and jack black whatever their characters names are they feel like 
quintessential Star Wars weirdos. Like those <laughs> characters feel like, you know, we have a four episode arc of Clone Wars and in the middle, we're doing an episode where like Obi-Wan has to go to a weird planet to find a lead. And then he has to deal with these weirdos. Like it feels like that you could have dropped them right into an episode of Clone Wars or something like that. It's like, I know mm-hmm. a lot of people were really upset about those cameos for whatever reason. And I don't, I personally don't get it because it's just like, we have a couple, we have a couple of zany characters and we're doing basically some quintessential Mandalorian stuff where it's like mm-hmm. Mandalorian has an adventure that, you know, is not directly pr- moving forward his plot, but also is, you know what I mean? Where that's like, mm-hmm. maybe it's not the best example of that, but like the first season of the show is that all over where it's like, Oh, I'm doing a job for this person. I'm doing a job for this person. I'm doing a job for this person. We're moving it forward inch by inch, but also the, the meat of the show is I'm helping these people out and then I'm moving on, you know? Yeah. I mean, I really liked it. Uh, I think it's already been said, but it felt like a basic, uh, not basic, but a, a, a run of the mill episode of clone wars where like you have these colorful characters with interesting designs that are gravity defying. And it was cool to like, see that kind of bridge to real life, you know, like, um, what do what do rich people you know super look like at this time in the galaxy? Because um, we had a, gl- a glimpse of, a glimpse of, glimpse of it in the sequel trilogy, uh, and so it's it was nice to like just spend that time and like have Mando run that like side quest with Poe. Like you know it's it's all character development in the end, um, and I thought the cameos were really cute. So Christopher whatever. Lloyd, uh, Christopher love it. Lloyd was there. I believe you mean Doc <laughs> Brown. Because as we know, Star Wars was a long time ago, and he has a DeLorean. You're right. You're right. That's true. Alex, when you're right, you're right, and you're right. I can admit it. Don't you mean uh, the Klingon guy from Star Trek Three? That's the future. Wow. Wow. I know some Star Trek things. Look at look at Josh trying to flex his muscles here. <laughs> well, he's on camera. We saw him frantically googling. <laughs> was Doc Brown ever in Star Trek? Ep- Three. <laughs> no, my favorite part about that was uh, but, was um, uh, the Mandalorian just kicking random droids. <laughs> oh, God, That's his interrogation God. technique. We're just going to kick everyone until one of them goes off. <laughs> there are some things he's simply not good at, and it's uh, communicating with droids and wielding the dark saber. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Great father, though. There you go. There you That's go. Yeah, I, I did enjoy the uh, the iRobot subplot there, too, with uh, although they didn't go quite that deep. It was more just a, a programming glitch put in there by Doc Brown slash Klingon guy. The one part of that episode reminded me of uh, the Johnny Depp, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. At the end, he casually mentions, oh, yeah, this is the doll burn and repair unit because the beginning of the. In the beginning, he had like set fire to all the 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 dolls that were doing the welcome to the factory thing, and they have a oh, droid yeah. morgue. And I'm like, <laughs> where did they get this? Who said? Who is like? We have a droid morgue with in, with the individual like you know, you know, sliders and all that stuff where we do full diagnostic oh, on God. them. Yeah, there is what no reason is for that, but because we're doing a cop show episode, it's like, well, there's a scene where you have to go to the morgue and check out the body. <laughs> 
All right. So before we get into the end of the season and like final thoughts, um, I, I do want to ask because we talked about the the armorer being suspected by fans of being one of the spies. Um, I didn't follow that line of thinking at all. I felt like that was very out of character for her. But uh, with the episode called The Spies, I was curious if there were going to be more than just um, Katie O'Brien's character as the spy. I thought it might have been um, Axe Woves might have been one of the spies uh, just because he took off without real any real uh, threat to him. And uh, I just I don't know. Did you guys buy into the multiple spies or do you think there might still be more spies? I have no opinion on this whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, I don't really, I don't really, I'm, I, I didn't think that complex about the titles and, um, and apparently neither did anyone else. So <laughs> when planning the titles, so I think, I think I'm good on this one. I, I think there are things that are a little suspect. Like if these people live on the planet and, you know, skate around on it with their ice skate ship on a planet of glass, it is a little weird. They're like, Oh yeah, we know where the great forge is. By the way, there's an entire rebel ba- uh, imperial base that we don't mention or know anything about. That is a, been been a little weird, that portion. But other than that, I I never thought the armor was a spy or working with somebody else. I mean, you could argue that she's so dogmatic uh, that she could be work that she would work with anyone who could get her closer to Beskar. But she, that seems out of character. I I, I didn't buy it. Yeah, I, I was more suspicious of the the guys that were roaming the the planet still for forty years uh, than I was anyone else. Uh, but I didn't. It didn't even dawn on me that there might be multiple spies, even with the title, until the internet started talking about the armorer and other things. And I was like, oh, maybe maybe they're right. But nope, <laughs> just another one of those fan theories that were very wrong. But the the season ends overall with uh, Din. Uh, Din Djarin defeating uh, the pirate. Um, what the heck was his name? I have it here somewhere. I lost it. Um, not going to waste any more time doing that. Mm. Um, he's had his little adventures. Uh, Grogu's got a mech. They defeat Moff Gideon. The dark saber has been destroyed, uh, which I, I, I thought that was actually pretty nice because the whole point of a lot of the season and Bo-Katan's arc especially is that they don't need tradition to rebuild Mandalore. They need a leader. And she is that leader that they need. And uh, I, I like that one a lot. Yeah. And I mean, you know, as someone who's not seen rebels, I have, to, I mean, I have to admit most of the time I'm like, y'all are fighting over a fancy sword. You know, it, it's, it's cool, but does it is, it doesn't have like magic properties, right? Like <laughs> it's just a sword. That's, that's okay. It's a cool sword. That doesn't mean anything. You guys all being silent because I actually just said something really offensive to like Star Wars. <laughs> no, I, I'm just giving everyone an opportunity to say some stuff. So yes and no. Part of the reason why I love the armor is that she's dogmatic. She she knows her beliefs. She doesn't carry a weapon. And whenever she says something, everybody listens. Even like Bo Katan, there seemed to be like a very brief arc where she might not remove her helmet. She's you know in this new co- uh, cohort and she is working with them because she lost all her people because she can't carry the dark saber because the Mando does. So there is a part that's like that, the, that the dark saber does have belief. I mean, heck it, it goes off of the elder Wan rules and that's what it takes to get all of her people back to her. 
So it being destroyed is a little weird. It seemed almost like an offhand, like, Gideon showing to her that she was never able to properly wield it, so he destroys it to take it from her kind of thing. But at the same time, what was needed to bring the Mandalorians back together was basically like, listen, some of us keep our helmets on, some of us don't. Shut the hell up. Let's the forge is re- yeah. the forge is back on, dudes. Let's party and make some Beskar. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you know, and I think you could. I think you could also take the the view that you know it, it's in the dark saber. And again, I'm riffing on what I've seen of Mandalorian and like having seen all the Clone Wars, none of Rebels yet. So if there's anything that's like totally weird, just ignore me or like tell me that that I'm wrong. <laughs> But, I'll just you know, edit it out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think you could also see it as like, it, it's, it's, it's an important like cultural artifact that is, was, is necessary to like bring these disparate groups together, but it's no longer necessary. Like we don't need it anymore. Um, so like destroying it could be an act of defeat on Bo-Katan's part or an act of failure or whatever, however you want to say it. But you could also, I think, take the view that, like, well, we're past the need for that, at least that symbol, if not all symbols. And then, uh, Katrina, I don't know if you, speaking of Rebels, I don't know if um, you got the same feels I did. For for Matt's sake, I won't spoil it, but um, Grogu gave us a little bit of uh, some some Rebels flashbacks, and I was very nervous for a, a short period of time and when he was uh, saving everyone from that inferno. Yeah, I, um, I really love the nods throughout the season toward rebels like like we of course we've had a soka show in a show in the past and there have been like little hints toward star wars rebels and what happened in it but like this season explicitly made it so that if you watched rebels like something something's some things happened that really meant a lot to us fans um and again uh rebels is one of those those seasons where it's one of those shows where um bo-katan plays a really long drawn out role she uh and uh watching it all together um it just kind of feels this this season felt like a really big payoff for like lifelong bo-katan fans you know like this was the she um my friends and i like to joke that like she's she's a uh a victorious loser um that she's constantly stumbling and learning and being so distinctly human um she's like one of those characters who when she's wrong like she actually grows from it um and she's she's you know a badass but she's also kind of a fuck up and can i say that on here i'm sorry yeah you're no you're fine we're explicit (laughs) fucking let her rip let her fucking rip (laughs) like that's what i love about Bo, though is that like she she isn't this like perfect warrior she's made a lot of really big mistakes in, in her past and it has cost her everything and to see like who she became in this season and how she like really truly finally came into her own um it it was just it was so satisfying and still she has more growing to do as the leader of mandalore now and the the season ends with din jaren officially adopting grogu who is now din din grogu and uh <laughs> he is now a Mandalorian apprentice and uh they must go on adventures together as is the way 
and uh, Mando Dinjarin finds Carson Tiva in the space bar, but sadly Zeb is not there. And uh, they make a, a, a under the table agreement that Carson Tiva will notify Mando of any weird off world things or uh, non Republic things happening that he can help out with. And uh, Grief Karga gives him a nice little plot of land for him to just lay low for a while. And that's kind of the season. Oh, also IG 11 is back as the, the marshal, uh, which we'll see if that has any uh, bearing on anything, or if it's just meant to cover up the fact that they need a, a marshal after Cara <laughs> Dune went off to the moon. What's, what's that? Uh, poochie joke. She went she off died on her yeah. way back to her home planet. Yeah. <laughs> yes. She just, she went off to go be in really terrible conservative movies. <laughs> <laughs> to, to go for an old reference, the plane spun in, there were no survivors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and Mandalorian did the side quest where you get, get a house in Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to put all his blocks of cheese there. Perfect. Perfect. I loved it. I think that that final shot felt so good. I was like, I could just stop here and not have anything bad happen to them ever again. Um, But I know that's not the case. One of my my ongoing um, observations whenever I go to Batu is the fact that not only is there now a helmet on the wall at Doc Ondar's that looks similar to the Mandalorian, but Grogu's. Grogu's uh, chainmail is now hanging beneath it. That's cute. Um, <laughs> like, what happened to them? Did they just sell it? Like, did they just pawn it off because Grogu outgrew it or something? <laughs> yeah, he be- became old Grogu, but not yeah. not the other old Grogu I mentioned earlier. <laughs> it is it is interesting though because it it is funny watching this back to back with not not to be myself, but the end of Picard, which is a show that similarly has a bunch of time at the end of it, I guess my very minor spoilers, like dedicated to seeing where all these guys end up. But one of those is like a series finale and also supposed to be like the end of like these characters basically for the, you know, it's supposed to be like a denouement of these characters for like the last 30 years. And the other is just a season finale, but it kind of feels like it's, it's one of those season finales that feels like maybe they didn't know they're coming back, but that's not the case here because they're like the biggest show on Disney plus. Um, but so it, it's just an interesting little, you know, I don't have a point, I guess, which why am I talking? But um, <laughs> it's just an interesting little thing to note that it's like, Oh, you, you were really invested at the end here. Making sure we know everyone is, everyone gets a happy ending and you, but we're going to have more adventures, which is cool. Okay. Matt, I have to ask, I don't need a spoiler, but the ending of Picard, is it as good as All Good Things Must End Part 2? No, I, but nothing could be. Yeah, nothing. Okay, um, that's okay. Because I'm like, I'm like yeah. you're, you're saying things, and I'm like, this sounds like kind of like the ending of All Good Things, but... there, I mean, there are, there are definitely those vibes to some degree, and there are some... I mean, you know, we're getting into Picard talk now, and we can <laughs> save that for later, but there are definitely also direct allusions to that episode too because i think they know yeah. oh it's another series finale so my two clone wars people uh katrina and matt do you believe that the armor may secretly be rook cast because that is what the internet believes 
I I don't believe it. Um, especially if like you know I don't know if 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 Emily Swallow is ever to remove her helmet for any dramatic reason, um, she certainly wouldn't look like Rook cast at all. Um, and I know that like you know there there are transitions from like like screen to or uh, one screen to another, but um, I've never read Rook cast as a white woman. Um, and so I think for me, it would be kind of weird. Um, I kind of want her to be like a new character because Rook had, she just had beliefs that I don't think parallel to what the armor has right now, or could have grown into what the armor has right now. But with that said, that's a pretty cool theory and it would still be kind of sick if it were true. Yeah. I'll defer on that one to, to you just because. You know, I'll, I'll be honest. I when you said Rook cast, I was like, that sounds familiar, but I have to Google it. <laughs> so, you know, I I cannot say that I have enough uh, knowledge of that character to ha- to have a strong opinion. And it's the first I've heard of that theory. So, so the, the last thing I want to talk about here before we we head out is the kind of marvelization of this because I there is a lot of stuff in this series that feel I feel like is setting up towards Ahsoka and this eventual Mando verse, so-called Mando verse movie where um, I assume the movie would probably end up being called heir to the empire uh, where we're building towards the return of Thrawn. And uh, how do you guys feel about this sort of storytelling where um, you have to watch season three of Mando and Ahsoka and, the new Republic squadron or whatever uh, Carson Tiva show is going to be, if they're going to do one um, building towards a movie, whether it be a Disney plus exclusive movie or a theatrical release. How do you feel about these breadcrumbs being laid out for fans to follow building up to a movie instead of it just being like its own thing? And that's open oh, to the floor. I, Anyone can answer at any time. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I always kind of figured, especially after the Boba Fett um, spinoff, that there would be a lot, a lot like more shows that would uh, tie into Mando, just because it's an era that we like haven't explored, and so much has to have happened in it in order for us to get to the sequel trilogy. Um, so I don't think I'm, I'm over it already, or that I'm like, you know, Marvel fatigued to the point where I don't want more Star Wars stuff. Um, but I don't, you know, like uh, I. Uh, it's it's really an interesting thing because this is going to be like Dave's first like live action film contribution to the Star Wars saga and like I'm sure that much of his team that came from animation to live action TV like uh, uh, would also be coming up with him so um, I I think that it's going to be interesting um, and I hope that it's great. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my feelings pretty leveled about it um, because Rebels, again, means a lot to me. And so what happens in Ahsoka and how that defines uh, that story is going to kind of set the bar for how I feel about the series. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's interesting because you, you said like the Marvelization of Star Wars, which I don't think is inaccurate. But it's almost like more Marvel than Marvel to some degree, because something I've said, I think on episodes that may or may not have come out yet, is like 
I think there's a really big perception in Marvel that you have to watch everything, which I don't think is totally true, but I understand why that's the perception. And I think that is more true in Star Wars, at least as far as these shows go, right? Where, you know, I know there are people who do not watch Book of Boba Fett who are frustrated because they came into Man, they went from Mandalorian season two and then started Mandalorian season three, where it seems like we skipped over the basically what the entire arc of season three seemed like it was going to be with Mandalorian and Grogu getting back together and also the thing with him losing his honor or whatever, however they phrased it. So I think that's a thing where I think it can, and that's a thing that I think sometimes frustrates me personally about Star Wars. As someone who like likes Star Wars and probably watches and consumes this media more than the, the normal person, but not as much as like a super fan, right? I'm not reading a bunch of novels. I'm not, you know, really up on, you know, I had to, to Google Rootcast just 10 minutes ago, right? <laughs> you know, but the, the one of the things that can frustrate me about Star Wars as a franchise is how it just constantly has to tie into itself. Or like, I don't, what, when I was watching season two of Mandalorian and like Luke Skywalker shows up, that's a cool moment. But I was also like, I don't know, man, like does, does everything have to eventually meet with Luke Skywalker? Which is another conversation. I guess what I'm getting at is I can see how it'd be really frustrating where it's like, oh, if you didn't watch Ahsoka, maybe Mandalorian season four doesn't make any fucking sense to you. Um, if, you know, will, will this movie whatever it is, if it comes out in theaters, if it's a Disney plus original, will it make any sense to someone who has not watched every single one of these shows? You know, and I think that remains to be seen. Um, I don't think I'm necessarily down on it, but it is, it is an interesting thing where they are really tripling down right now on, they expect you to watch everything. See, I think, Matt, you're not going to have to worry about having to watch everything else because midway through filming when they fire him to hire J.J. Abrams and the title crawl just, just <laughs> says somehow Thrawn has returned and Gideon 2, that's the answer. It's answered right there in the title crawl somehow. You're right. You're right. They do fly now. <laughs> Alex, you just reminded remi- you just reminded me, I think, in episode one of this season or maybe it was episode two, um, I had a... Again, lots of rebels callbacks and setups. Um, we saw the Pergil in a, a very early episode, which are those giant space whales that travel through hyperspace. Um, yeah, that that got my little rebel heart giddy when I saw those. I mean, I'll, I'll say this: y'all are eating good right now. If you've seen oh, yes. Rebels and like it, you know you're getting you're getting some good stuff. So I'm happy for y'all. I hope to join you someday. See, I. <laughs> I'm coming at this as somebody who refuses to watch to watch everything Star Wars because I'm somewhat jaded as somebody who read and owned a lot of the quote-unquote legends now. And I feel like Star Wars currently is trying to tease me into coming back to it because they're like, hey, hey there. Yeah, what's going on? Um, we, we're, we're bringing back Thrawn. Ooh. You're doing heir to the empire okay <laughs> i'm intrigued oh you're bringing boba fett you might actually do the 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 mandalorian armor trilogy oh that's exciting okay tell me more tell me more about all the things that you said we don't count our legends and are thrown away but now we want to bring you back with that's kind of where i am with stuff 
I enjoyed season three. I think it was the weakest of all of them. But there is enough for me to be satisfied with. And right now, that's really all I need. Um, you know, Matt last week convinced me to watch Andor. I don't think that episode's come out yet. <laughs> you gotta watch it. You haven't started it. You gotta watch it. It's so fucking um, good. I cannot, I cannot get started on Andor again. I'm sorry. But it's going to be hit or miss for me whether or not I watch everything. And that is the balancing act that they're going to have to do with um, the Mandalorian verse movie. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to to wrap up here. Uh, thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Katrina, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us. Um, this has been a, a podcasting dream of mine come true. Oh, thank you. I had a lot of fun. It was really cool, like talking about the the finale with you guys. So thanks. Yeah, so much for, for sure. Yeah, and for those of you again who uh, might be going into Rebels for the first time, a great companion piece would be hanging with Team Kanan. Uh, find that Thank on your favorite you. podcatcher. It is on my radar. <laughs> yes, yes. We'll make him. He'll, you'll watch Rebels, and then suddenly you'll be like, "Oh man, why am I reading this Rebels-related comic? Why am I?" <laughs> It'll be great. So you can follow me on Twitter at Josh underscore Scar. You can follow the podcast at Talking Smack Pod. Matt, please tell everyone about our Discord. All right, I'm going to do the same shit I always do. You know, this episode, like every episode, tons of really great stream of consciousness ramblings from me. If you like that and want it in text form, just constantly without ending in your pocket, that's Discord, baby. Am I am I not selling it well? Is that a is that a bad sell for the Discord? What do you <laughs> hey, think? You sold, we can talk about that later. I, I I enjoy it. You're 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 our very own like internal Wikipedia in my opinion. Hey, you sold me on it. I'm on the Discord. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, if I can win Alex over, I can win anyone over. If you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, uh, you have reviews, please email us at tsmackpod at gmail.com or submit them in the Discord, Twitter, any social medias that we may be on. Uh, thank you to Leo Allen for our musical themes. Thank you to Beppo for our original avatars and Retro Ale Studios for our Ricky avatar. Please like, subscribe, rate, review. Uh, Katrina, please share your socials with everyone. You guys can find me anywhere you want. Uh, if you look for Ocatrina, that's O-H-C-A-T-R-I-N-A on every social platform that I know of. Alex, who's running our theme music this week? Well, you know, just for Matt, we're going to run Picard, the theme song to that. We don't need, we don't right. need our Talking Smack stuff. We just need Picard. Wonderful. <laughs> for Katrina too she's a well, is it Trekkie Trekker what would the proper term be I don't know anymore Trek fan we'll just go with that that's good yeah Trek fan is good alright everyone thanks so much for listening Katrina again thank you so much for taking the time to be here I, I truly sincerely appreciate it and everyone thank you so much for listening take care
<laughs> Sorry about that. He's young. Yeah, that's-